Hey there, Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And something I wanted to let you know about is a brand new podcast, a podcast that I was lucky enough to be guest number one. It is called Resilient Real Estate Investing. Do me a favor, go check it out. Just in the last couple of weeks, not only has my episode aired, but you heard from a syndicator who spent eight years in prison. You've heard from a movie theater operator who has had their side hustle produce 20 properties. Future episodes will record around the Roofstock's head coach, a college student evaluating properties, and of course, an army recruiter who discovered private money. Again, do me a favor, check out Resilient Real Estate Investing. On with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with an extra special guest today. Folks, we have somebody who is, yes, 22 years old, which makes him younger than my daughter by a lot, uh, who is an owner of 100 Doors Plus. And he's actually at a location that he just picked up, I believe, today. So uh, let's welcome Cody to the show. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So I just got to ask, uh, 22 years old, 100 plus doors. Uh, I'm guessing mom and dad gave you like 5 million bucks and that, you just, uh, you've been buying everything <laughs> cash. I mean, that's the only way you can get there at 22, I'm guessing. Oh, oh totally. No, that um, I, I wish, but I'm actually the first person in my family tree to get into real estate outside of just the traditional house. Yeah. So let's, so let's talk about this journey. So again, nobody in your family had real estate. It wasn't, you know, not, didn't come from a family of landlords, weren't born with a silver spoon in the mouth. Um, you're 22 today. When does the light bulb go off? I mean, were you just early and you started at 16 or, I mean, just how, how do you go from zero to where you are at such a, a, a young age? I mean, I'm just, I'm blown away. It's awesome. Yeah, well, a spinoff of uh, you're saying one rental at a time, one rental property at a time. I just I skipped the the single family thing and started with mid to you know just small to mid sized multifamily, and oh. I got started just a few years ago at 19 years old as a real estate agent. And next month, it was like a, a month from yesterday, I will have owned my first property for three years. Oh wow! Okay. All right, so let's talk about that first deal. So the first one was a multifamily. How big? What are we? How many doors? Yeah, so I bought a seller financed twelve plex, and oh, bought it. Ah, I get it. Okay, yeah. so twelve yeah. units, first deal. No bank loans. Yeah, so I've got no bank loans, and even I today, no bank loans. Correct. Yeah, zero bank loans. Uh, everything has been seller financed except for one sixplex. I, I bought a sixplex with hard money. Okay. Uh, but that was not close to my first deal because I don't recommend going and getting a whole bunch of hard money. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad business model. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So seller financing, you know, a lot of people think it doesn't exist. It's been around forever. I've used it in several deals over the last 22 years, but I got to tell you, usually seller financing, um, a lot of the seller kind of signing up to agree for it, them trusting you. Right. Um, I got to tell you as an owner of a 12 plex, turning it over to a 19 year old probably wouldn't be my first idea. Uh, was yeah. there some hair on the deal or some other, some other things that made this 12 plex the right thing to start with? Uh, it, it was on the market forever, small town America. So it was in a little place called Quincy and absolutely gorgeous building. Uh, there's three side-by-side four plexes, nicely landscapes, got trees, sprinkler system, walkways right next to Microsoft. 
Oh, wow. And they've got, a, they've got a lot of data centers in central Washington. And I, I saw it on the market and it had just been sitting there. It was on the market for 551 days by the time I ended up picking it up. And I looked at the history, uh, transaction history, it never went pending once. Wow. So I was like, okay, maybe people just don't like Quincy. It's a small town, 10 miles off the highway. But I started looking into the employers and the average household income over there was pretty dang close at the time to where I grew up in Tacoma, which was just south of Seattle. So I was like, okay, the income's there. You got Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Boeing, Verizon. Like you got some pretty good employers in Grant County. And so I just wrote up an offer and uh, ended up buying at Stellar Finance. So again, so so what do you remember what it was listed at? A million one twenty-five. All right, let's call it a million one. So okay. uh, you're writing an offer up after it's been on the market more than a year, almost a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your first offer? Do you remember? Yeah, I uh, I love numbers, and they they that's the one thing I tend not to forget, and I forget everything yeah, they, else. So I got yeah, me too. Part. They stick on my head like a chalkboard. Everything else I forget. Yeah, so I originally they wanted twenty percent down. I offered fifteen percent down. Did you offer and, list price? Yep, list price. And price is irrelevant to me on cash flowing real estate. It just determines how long it takes to pay it off as long as the terms allow it to cash flow. And so I looked at it and I was like, okay, I'll just give them price because uh, if I'm trying to beat them up on price, I may not get terms. And uh, then got through negotiation and there were some things I wanted changed. They're trying to say that I couldn't physically sell the asset or refinance the debt for five years. I'm like, well, I can't legally do that because if something goes wrong, like I have to be able to exit. And so I was like, look, we'll we'll just put a massive prepayment penalty on it for a handful of years. We'll do a 30-year full AM, no balloon. And we'll do 10% down. And they said, yes. So I don't have a balloon on that asset. It's just like a home loan. So, so um just a pretty straight, clean deal. The The property was in decent shape. The tenants were paying no kind of hair on the deal. It was just a, a, a plain vanilla transaction. Yeah. All It was all leased up. Everybody was paying. And I wow. wrote that. De- yeah, I wrote that deal out. I mean, that was in October 2019. Hmm. And I didn't raise rent on anybody until two months ago. So I just let it ride until I got the hang of it and I built up a bigger portfolio that cash flow so I could afford to have people leave because I just wanted to let it right. go. And it, it cash flowed it's 800 bucks a month as is. So I was like, all right, let's do it. There you go. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious in the listing, did it actually mention seller open to seller financing or did you? Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> this is mind boggling. In 2019, 12 units in and around Seattle Oh, uh, no, this wasn't in Seattle. This was in Quincy. This is central oh. Washington. So that's like, I, I forgive me. I don't know. Is that like an hour away? Two hours away? Uh, that was three hours. Oh, so it's quite a far. Okay. So yeah. central Washington. Now I get it. Okay. Yeah. Central Washington. 1.125 says seller financing, paying tenants, well landscaped, and nobody looked at the deal for 551 days or whatever the heck it was. Nobody went pending. So. No offers. Now, since I bought it, uh, I got the rents up. I'm sure. And I, yeah, yeah. But uh, the rents were seven, 800 bucks. And 
I bumped to people from seven and eight to like 900 and a thousand. I did $200 bumps after three years. And there was a couple people that had left prior to that. So I released and I got up to 1225. So the value has shot up tremendously because I'm sure I I bought it. Yeah. I bought it zero money down, uh, borrowed the down payment and second position from. Oh, so let's uh, talk about that. Yeah. So again, so you, you go into negotiation, you do this, do that, give them a prepay. You take your 15% down to 10% down. You don't have the 10% because heaven forbid you're 19. You don't have 110 grand lying around. Right. Or or 115. Where'd you get that for? So somebody went in second. Yeah. So I got, that's actually where I first started learning about seconds. I had um, an old mentor at the time from my real estate brokerage who gave me the book deals on wheels by Lonnie Scruggs. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. I've read that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, there was a little audio disc that I would, I had a 1991 Miata. So I'd put the audio disc in, but it was um, buying real estate, low and no money down by uh, Carlton sheets and Carlton sheets, the legend. Yeah. So, peace, Carlton sheets. Yeah. So I had been studying every time I'd make that three hour, like I had all these discs that I just put into this 1991 Miata. And uh, wow. I made so many drives. I was doing a couple times a week. And I mean, it, it was pretty brutal, but, uh, you know, I, I got to learn along the way. So I was just listening in and I started learning about seconds and, and seller financing as I was making these commutes, um, because I had to go check it out. So I put it in and listen. Sure, yeah. So, um, the way that it originally played out was my mentor was teaching me how to pitch at the time. And he's like, I'll, I'll bring some investors in and you make the pitch. And so we sit down and I'd get the whiteboard and I'd forget how much money I needed what the deal was. I'd forget like the income and the expenses because I was so nervous and (laughs) I bought so many meetings, but uh, we got one and I needed a lot of help because I didn't, I didn't have the investors. Like I had to pitch the other brokers in the office as investors, but someone funded it and um, ended up paying that off. It was a one-year note and something my, my mentor at the time had said is if you ever get stuck and you physically can't pay it off, then uh, you need to get everyone in the room and beg for an extension. And I was like, okay. So I got a one-year extension and um, for a point, and then I paid it off. So. Wow. That's very yeah. cool. So, so, uh, so the first you're borrowing basically a million bucks. Yeah. It was a million. Year, 12, five. Yep. Yeah. So million bucks fully or million dollar loan. What interest rate did you get back in 19? Six. Full, fully amortized. Okay, yeah. six percent, and then your second, what'd you get the hundred grand at, or a little bit more than a hundred? It was twelve percent. Ah, okay, and even with those rates, you were cash flowing eight hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because my first mortgage. Now, granted, I was running it at nineteen-year-old Cody's numbers. Would I do that deal again today? <laughs> I'd probably want to structure it a little different because I, uh, I had yeah. water heaters go out and it blew through half a year of cash flow. But uh, you know, live and learn. I. Um, had a $6,078 payment on the first and I borrowed 125,000. So I had closing costs and all that. So I had a little bit of reserve. So that payment was 1250 a month. So I had like a $7,300 mortgage. Yeah. Utilities were like 800 bucks a month and taxes and insurance at the time were like 500 and I managed it. So it just, you know, it was skinny, but it made just shy of 10,000 a month. And so I was able to pay all the bills and, keep a little bit in the bank and it, cool. it worked. 
Yeah. So again, I so the sellers, I'm guessing they were an older couple or person that wanted he out. He was he was 37, 38. Oh, whoa. Okay, this is very weird. So only so sub 40. <laughs> yeah. And he owned, do you know how long he owned it? He bought it when he was 21, 22. He was in there. Right. So he probably bought it for sub 500 or he bought, he had a low basis. I think it was like 380, 400. Yeah, was... really low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious how that conversation goes. You got a 40-year-old and a 20-year-old. The 20-year-old's going to borrow a million bucks from you. Mm-hmm. Did he do that deal? I mean, did he say things like this lowers my taxes and I want the nope. income? Not, he just, I can't imagine. I mean, I know a lot of 19-year-olds. I'm not sure I'm lending them a million bucks. So, so yeah. what is it about Cody that made that? It seems like a seemingly yes answer, pretty pretty simple yes answer. What, what kind of magic do you have, Cody? Well, most people try and sell on the tax benefits, and that's not why people would do it. They would do it just to give you a leg up. Like if we're at the Robin Hood right now, the Robin Hood Village Resort, and yeah, the uh, the owners I appreciate you making that connection with Dion and then to me. Um, huh. Yeah, the the owners are lending me three and a half million because this is seller finance too. Yeah, it is. And yeah, yeah. it's that's just awesome. they're not doing it just because they like me they want to to help yeah, they have, get me they have the another next... purpose yeah they're mo- mo- yeah yeah so, but like the robin hood i get it right you you do have a track record now right cody today is not cody bright-eyed bushy-tailed 19 year old asking for a million bucks it's right the first one is always the hardest at least in my opinion uh, after that it gets easier because you have reference you have confidence you're not you know you, you know how to pitch um so that's a lot of so so where do you go from there? I mean, um you got this 12 units, it's a skinny deal, but it works, it's proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, where do you go from there? You just go crazy seeking seller financing every opportunity you can, or where do you go from there? I called up folks to learn how they got to where they're at. And so I ended up making a phone call to someone in Moses Lake, which is about 40 minutes from Quincy, and okay. it's further east. Gotcha. And so that that one, I called up a gentleman and he owned a 12plex and I, I had just bought the 12plex. And so I wanted to figure how he got to where he was at. And uh, his 12plex needed a lot more work. It was not turnkey. So I ended up meeting up with him a few times. I learned his story, hopped in his truck. We drove around. He showed me his properties. He had a lot more property than I did at the time. And he he taught me the ropes a little bit on seller financing and how he played the game. And then he ended up seller financing his 12 plex to me nine months after I bought my first 12. Wow. And that one was a huge fixer. That sure. was for $680,000. Okay. That was uh, June 30th of 2020. And that deal day one, after, you know, I did the same structure, it was 120 grand down. Mm-hmm. So higher percentage down. But uh, borrowed it in second. I had a little more confidence now. And again, like you mentioned, a track record. Mm-hmm. And that deal cash flowed about twelve hundred fifty bucks a month net. Okay. But it it needed the extra. So now my portfolio is making about two grand a month. Right. And um, since then, I've gotten the rent roll up about three thousand dollars a month. But I've also done a whole bunch more repairs. But shortly mm-hmm. thereafter, that I, I kept learning about his story. I kept in touch, let him know how I was doing on the 12, and he ended up seller financing a sixplex, which was about half a mile away from that one. And that was a much more turnkey asset. 
Yeah, now you're getting scale, you're getting location. Yeah. yeah, and I told my buddy Christian, he was on the channel, to to go buy Moses Lake, and the duplex next to my six at the time came for sale, so I got him to buy that. <laughs> he nice. did really well, and I, I pitched him on a 38plex in town, and we bought that seller financed as well, and that's what kicked off our partnership 11 months ago. Yeah, so one thing I want to re-highlight that you talked about is just the importance of networking and getting out of your comfort zone, right? So what I think I heard you say is after you got your 12 unit done, you actively seeked others because you wanted to pick, pick their brain. How'd you mm -hmm. get there? How'd you get there? So you called owners, right? You're an agent. So you look through the ML or whatever the, the, the title company, you're getting basically names and numbers and, and calling, just cold calling. Them. Hey, you know, I'm Cody. I just bought a 12 plex. Here's the address. I know you own a bunch of units. Can can I have coffee with you or or, or what? That's kind of what I feels like you said, but I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, that's along the lines of uh, what I was doing and what I'm still doing today. And I was able to map it out a couple of years after I started doing that. And it was like relatable points get you to the table so okay. you can actually get the coffee. Goals get people to work with you and then significance creates buy-in. And uh, when you can map all that out for yourself and then to others, and then uh, actually effectively communicate that, then you can go faster. And that is how I've been able to keep on scaling. Give me those three things again. That was pure gold. What was it? What were those three steps or stages? You got, uh, you got relatability. And at the simplest form, relatability is your past because you relate with others based on what you've done. <clears throat> like and it. goals get people to want to work with you. Goals are what you want to go accomplish. That's your future. So you got your past in one hand, the future so in the you're other. So share, you're sharing the goals. I love that. Yep. Okay. Because getting to the table, you know, you actually go grab coffee. Most people want to focus just on, oh, this is why we're the same. And this will, like, that's not going to get people to work with you. You got to share where you're going. Right. And after that, if you can loop in bits and pieces about why you're doing what you're doing, the significance behind it, and you can learn about, there's like what actually changed when you hit financial freedom because i'm not there yet you know that that's how it was for yeah. me two years ago that's what creates buy-in now one of those owners is looking at building like a 70 unit complex just to sell or finance it to me <laughs> you know that like because they're in a different financial position but they sure. know we're aligned and like that they know why i'm yeah. doing what i'm doing so that yeah it's a planned exit that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool so um we're obviously in a very different market, right? 2000. Well, let's just do. Yeah, so 2019 was different than 2020 to 2022, right? There was just the pandemic caused all kinds of things to mess up and this, that, the other. Um, I think the market we're heading into is going to be different than the last two years. Uh, but I think your experience with seller financing is going to just be rocket fuel, right? Creative financing specifically seller financing is, is a skill that I have done that I think, I think it's the way deals get done. I mean, when you think about a 30 year mortgage rate, at seven and a half or whatever it is, um, you've got to do creative financing because you can get rate, you can get rates down, right? Give them their price, my terms. It's kind of the, the whole thing. So when you look at it over the next two years of a, you know, a recession or a, a sketchy economy, I'm guessing you're pretty excited because you see all the opportunity out there. Is, is that fair? I mean, there's a lot of opportunity, but um, I mean, I you can't buy everything. And I, I think 
a lot of people think it's just going to be like this crazy opportunity for low prices. And there's going to be some syndicators that get caught with their pants down for sure. Absolutely. Yes. However, on the level that I'm buying, all the relationships I built, there, there's some people that build their business off of uh, buying assets that are distressed, people that are in, going through unfortunate points, and they help them out, which is great. However, my business model was learning from the affluent people that have done amazing, like they've reached ridiculous levels of success. And I cultivated relationships with them because I wanted to learn how they did it. Nice. And so a lot of the people that I'm working with, they're not going through a hard time right now. Right. So I don't see it impacting the business. I'm just going to keep buying. I've got offers out right now on, um, if I go mutual on a, one deal, I'll be at like 9.1 million in, in assets. And that includes the Robin Hood and some more stuff in Union around the Robin Hood and then a, another deal over in central Washington. But I'm just going to keep buying because at the simplest form, you know, you, you find your deal and then you figure out the debt. And when it's all seller financed, all the debt's really easy to get. And then uh, yep. if you need any money, you put down the equity. There you go. Well, let's talk about the deal you're sitting in because uh, as I remember it, uh, they reached out to me via an email saying, hey, Michael, if you know anybody in the area, uh, love to do a deal. We're open to seller financing is how I remember the conversation. One of my experts, Dion, who you mentioned, is close in my world, right? I don't invest there. He, he drove out there, took a look at it. He said it was a little bit too far, a little bit too much active management for him. It sounds like he turned it over to you and you just closed today, if memory serves, on a $3.5 million deal or what was it? Yeah, buying it for four and a half oh, and a uh, million down. Dion told me it was going to be seller finance, zero money down. And he got the first zero right. He just forgot all the other zeros and then the one in front of it. So, I mean, he was close. He was close. He was so close. He got, I mean, the majority of the numbers were right. He had the zero. But um, oh, that's funny. yeah, I'm signing today at one. And oh. then I'm guessing it'll record on Monday, Monday, yeah. Tuesday, somewhere in there. But yeah, uh, yeah. super awesome. excited. I mean, it. This is a next level asset for. Yeah. So tell us about it. Tell us what you're, uh, what you're inking. What it, What is the Robin Hood? Yeah. So the Robin Hood. Uh, it's a uh, cabin resort. It's in Union on the Golden Mile. So I'm I'm the broke neighbor of the bunch. We've got Bill Gates, the Nordstroms, Jeff Rakes, and so. But there's some pretty cool neighbors around town. But um, built 1934 by Don Beckman, which was the set designer for Disney. It uh, partnered with Walt way back when this was built and it commemorated the the uh, movie the Robin Hood, which was made back then. And so it's a very, very cool asset. It's got the old wood shake roofs and love, love all the trails that go through the woods. Waterfront, got the dock. We can see the gates flying in all the time in the summer because they're summer estate, which is ridiculous. It's just across the street. Wow. Yeah, they've got seven houses, but it turns out it's just one big house, and the main part of it's underground. So, Must be nice to be the gates. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they moved the street over, and uh, they're like, we want bigger backyard. So they got permission from just the city move to move the street. the street over, and their their actual entry is underground tunnel that goes underneath the highway. And that is funny. That's uh -huh. a different level. That's not, yeah, that's that's a, that's a next level stuff. Well, uh, Cody, let's wrap this up. Where where is Cody see himself in a decade? Could you look that far ahead? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I look back three years ago, like I I was still like this month trying to close out the first deal. First deal, I had, yeah. I had three thousand dollars, and that was it. 
So in wow. a yeah, wow. like three thousand bucks somehow turned into just shy of twenty million dollars of real estate without a bank loan, and it's been a long journey. So I don't know that I could. I, I would be way off if I tried to shoot for ten years, but I've done the math, and as long as something crazy like massive loss doesn't occur, you know, if everything goes wrong, then yeah, I'll, I'll start over. But if I can just keep doing what I'm doing, it should pass a, a billion dollars of equity at 35. I've calculated out the math and we'll see. And again, you're sticking with seller financing. That's your niche. It's just, uh, that's just what you do. You just can't continually grow your network, talk to more and more people, uh, just keep doing deals that make sense. And seller financing is one component of it. I think people think that's the end all be all, but really the creative finance space is just, you find a deal that you love, you then you have to source the debt. And for me, seller financing was the debt option because that's what I could get. Right. And if, mm -hmm. if you can get a conventional bank loan, you totally should. If yeah. you can get FHA on a fourplex and you're in a market that you're actually able to do that because there's an income requirement. Most people don't know about that. Uh, yeah, sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you can do it, great. And then do That's your awesome. conventional 5% down on a house with an ADU because you can't do that on a duplex. You know, pick up as much as you can. You establish your HQ. I just, I couldn't do that. So uh, I don't That's think awesome. seller financing is the only way. And eventually as I get yeah, more It's just, it's a tool on your tool belt. In the beginning, it's the only tool you had, but you're right. As you grow, as you get more experience, as markets change, you just get more tools. I think that's yeah. a, a nice way to put it. I think it'd be unwise not to buy the duplex or the fourplex to house hack. If, oh, like if you have the ability, if you have the ability to, you totally should. I had someone say, I just want to do what you did. It's like, well, what do you do? Well, I have a stable W2 and I've got a little bit of money in the bank, but I want to buy a rental. I'm like, well, you're in, he was in Texas. And it's like, you should just buy a rental. Yeah. Like how much money you got? 20 grand. It's like, okay, how much a duplex is costing your market? Two to 300. Just buy it FHA. <laughs> yeah, but stop making it so hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I would use the resources you got available. That's awesome. Well, Cody, do me a favor. Where can people follow you? Because your your story is something that people are going to be wanting to watch as you go from where you are now to a billion by 35. Uh, where where can somebody follow you? Yeah. So we've got uh Christian and I have a YouTube channel, Coding Christian Multifamily Strategy. And if they want to check out the Instagram. I've got a shirt that says Cody doing Cody things. So I ah, named my Instagram. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So I named my uh, Instagram doing Cody things. That's very creative. Well, Cody, it's been a lot of fun. You are an example of doing doing the work. Keep moving forward. I love the fact that you just reached out, cold called people. These are the kind of things that you need to do to, to, to make a dent. And congratulations on all your success. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. You got it.